You're listening to the Joyful Warrior Podcast with yours truly, Tiffany Justice. Join us as we talk about the issues that are impacting you and your family in America today. Let's get started. Hey, Joyful Warriors, Tiffany Justice here, and uh, we're going to switch things up this week on the Joyful Warrior podcast. Um, We had some of our moms here in Florida with Moms for Liberty that got to participate in an exciting press conference this week with Governor Ron DeSantis. And, um, you know, we're a nonpartisan organization, and we say that we stand with um, any politician who stands with parents. Um, We want to see parents being put first and children being put first in America today, and um, it is it is uh, definitely true that uh, Governor Ron DeSantis has been a staunch defender of parental rights, and um, you know today was no exception uh, to that. So today the governor had a press conference where he announced some new legislation uh, for this session here in Florida, and this legislation is called the Stop Woke Act. That's right, you heard me. I, I said it, the Stop Woke Act, and I hope it's uh, inspiring to all of you that, that are listening. We're gonna make sure that we put it into hands of every American so that you can bring it to your legislators to hopefully get something similar passed. But this legislation, um, and its full title is to Stop Wrongs Against Our Employees and Kids Act, and it's um, really attacking this uh, really leftist ideology that has kind of woven its way through uh, corporations and K through 12 education and higher ed learning, and um, all over this country. And uh, the governor did not hold back today. So. Um, Normally, I bring a guest on. Um, I'd love to have the governor on at some point, but uh, hopefully it, that'll happen in the future. But today, I thought I'd play uh, some of the press conference for you so that you could hear um, in, in, uh, from, from the governor's perspective and some of the guests that he had at the press conference today. He had uh, Chris Rufo from the Manhattan Institute, uh, Dr. Spaulding from Hillsdale College. He had, uh, and two of our moms were there, um, one from Miami-Dade and, and one from Sarasota, um, kind of sharing their own personal experience about how this woke ideology has affected them in their lives and, and what they hope for the future of America and for their children. Um, so I'm going to play some excerpts from you for you today, and I'll kind of jump in and, and, and you know just kind of highlight some of the things that I think are important and uh, just didn't want America to miss out on this important day with Florida um, leading uh, with this type of legislation. You know, Florida, we have watched, has led throughout this pandemic in many different ways. Um, here, we've seen that there has been, um, you know, a lot of respect for parental rights with uh, quarantine procedures and uh, masking uh, guidelines being rolled back to say that it is the sole discretion of the parent uh, to direct the upbringing and medical care of their children that is in the uh, Parents' Bill of Rights that uh, also this past session in Florida was passed. So um, good things happening here. We're headquartered in Florida, Moms for Liberty. We have chapters all over the country, but um, you know, kind of learning and growing in Florida uh, we, where we have the most chapters and, and definitely seeing that this united voice can help uh, to create uh, good legislation so that uh, our children are protected and we are, again, fighting for the survival of America. So uh, let's hear from Governor DeSantis a little bit about uh, the Stop Woke Act. So we want all our students to understand why was our, our country founded? What were some of the key ideas that made us different? I mean, for example, you know, our founding fathers said that we are endowed 
by our creator with unalienable rights. The rights do not come from government. So these are, these are natural rights, and we create a constitutional system not to give us rights, but to protect the rights that we already have. And we have a constitutional system that's laid out, and not just having a judiciary, an executive, a legislature, but also having 50 state governments and federalism and all these different things that are designed to be able uh, to maintain and pre preserve a free society. And we've seen those ideas tested over the years throughout our history. And you've had different people with different views about it. I mean, if you look at President Lincoln, when uh, before he became president running for the Senate, he was running against a guy named Stephen Douglas. And Douglas was basically saying that, you know, the founders, you know, wanted slavery. It was important to have. And all of a sudden Lincoln said, no, 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 that wasn't what they wanted. They disfavored it. They wanted it to be, they wanted it to, to, to go away. Way. They created uh, the Declaration of Independence to say everybody had rights. And so Lincoln prevailed uh, ultimately in that debate once he became elected president. And then you look at what, the, what people in our country have done defeating Nazism in World War II uh, when the world really hung in the balance. And that was America that did it. And they did it because they believed in having a free society. You think about what MLK uh, stood for. He said he didn't want people judged on the color of their skin, but on the content of their character. You listen to some of these people nowadays, they don't talk about that. And then more recently, it was the United States uh, that was able uh, to win the Cold War uh, and defeat Soviet communism. Now, I think that there's more of these people coming out of the woodwork than we ever thought nowadays, which is unfortunate. And uh, there's a lot of problems with Marxism in our hemisphere, and we see what's going on uh, with authoritarian countries like China. But nevertheless, people thought that we wouldn't be able to beat the Soviet Union, and we did it. And so these are really important things that, that people need to have a great understanding of. And I think what you see now with the rise of this woke ideology uh, is an attempt to really delegitimize our history and to delegitimize our institutions. And I view the wokeness as a form of cultural Marxism. Uh, they want to tear... They want to just, it's not just, you know, people will say, oh, you know, you know they're, they're, uh, they're, they're leftists or socialists. It's not just like taxes and all that. Yeah, they do want that and that's not good but they really want to tear at the fabric of our society and our culture and, and things that really we've taken for granted, like the ability of parents to direct the upbringing of their kids. So this is really, really significant. And when you see these things throughout the country where they take down Thomas Jefferson's statute in New York City, where they take down Abraham Lincoln in Massachusetts, where they take George Washington's name off schools in California, you know, that is an attempt to erase history uh, they want to delegitimize the founding of the country uh, and the institutions, and they basically want to replace it uh, with a very militant form of leftism that would absolutely destroy this country if that ever took hold. And so we have a responsibility uh, to stand for the truth, to stand for what's right, and we're doing that, and we've put more resources and emphasis on teaching civics, on teaching people about American history, but we also have to uh, protect people uh, and protect our kids uh, from some very pernicious uh, ideologies that are trying to be forced upon them all across the country. So earlier this year, 
I directed the Florida Department of Education to prohibit critical race theory in our K-12 schools. And you know, you'll hear these people, it, it, it's, you know, they made it, it was a big deal in Virginia, the, these counties, parents were really upset, and then a lot of the media would be like, oh, it's not happening, it's not happening, and they would basically act like this is all just made up. Well, let me show you some of the things that have been done throughout our country uh, just in the last couple years. The Arizona Department of Education created a, quote, equity toolkit, claiming that babies show the first sign of racism at three months old, and that white children become full racist, quote, strongly biased in favor of whiteness uh, by age five. Santa Clara County Office of Education denounced the United States as a, quote, parasitic system based on, quote, the invasion of, quote, white male settlers and encouraged teachers to cash in on kids' inherent empathy in order to recruit them into political activism. And a Philadelphia elementary school forced fifth graders to celebrate black communism and simulated a black power rally to quote free Angela Davis from prison. And at that particular school, 87% of students fail to achieve basic literacy by graduation. And so this is something that you see all across the country and we have a responsibility in Florida to say we're not gonna do it. So, so we did do that. So it violates Florida standards to scapegoat someone based on their race, to say that you know, they're inherently racist, to say that they're an oppressor or oppressed or any of that. And that's good and that's important, uh, but we also have to realize that um, we gotta do more to make sure that that actually carries the day in the classrooms and in, in our society. So today we are going to be introducing to the public, and, and we have legislators who are gonna help us with this, um, a new piece of legislation for the upcoming legislative session called Stop Wrongs Against Our Kids and Employees Act, the Stop Woke Act. And it's something that... And this will do a number of things that are very important. One, it will put into statute uh, the Department of Education's prohibition on CRT in K through 12 schools. No taxpayer dollars should be used to teach our kids to hate our country or to hate each other. And, th and that's important and that's all well and good, but I think what we've seen recently is you can legislate things like Parents' Bill of Rights. You can have certain things, and sometimes the school districts don't always follow it. And so we are gonna be including in this legislation giving parents a private right of action to be able to enforce the prohibition on CRT, and they get to recover attorney's fees uh, when they prevail, which is very important. And yes, there will be a fortified ability for the State Department of Education to hold people accountable, but honestly, the parents know uh, best what's going on, and they're in the best position to be able to do it. And here's the thing, 
uh, a lot of times these people will fear lawsuits more than a, a fine from the State Department of Education because when you do a lawsuit, you get discovery and you're subject to that. And when they say they're not doing CRT and then you have all this information showing that they are doing it, uh, it really is an uncomfortable position for them. So I think that gives parents the ability to go in and ensure that our state standards are being followed. And I think it's something that needs to be done. Uh, we also need to understand that this has become a cottage industry, the CRT. There's people making huge amounts of money. They basically will get tens of thousands of dollars to go in and do a training, um, sometimes at schools, sometimes at businesses, you know, basically saying like, okay, pay me $50,000 so I can teach your employees how racist capitalism is or something like that. And I'm just thinking to myself, well, you shouldn't be charging a king's ransom to do that. You don't, you, don't, you don't complain about capitalism when you're lining your own pocket. It's just when other people are doing well. But the issue is you have these whole uh, cottage industry of these consultants that will come and they'll go into a school district or they'll go to a business and they'll go to colleges and universities and they bring a lot of this into those institutions and they call it equity. Um, just understand, when you hear equity used, that is just an, an ability for people to smuggle in their ideology because we don't need to have these terms. We have society based on equality where you're treated equally Regardless of your upbringing, regardless of your race, you have the same rights and, and privileges as anybody else. Equity is used to put the thumb on the scale in favor of their ideology. And so that's where you get things like CRT and a whole host of other things. So our legislation will defund any money for K-12 or higher ed going to CRT consultants. We are also not going to allow the staff or employees or teachers in our education system to be subjected to some uh, uh, to that type of training where they're forced to sit there and listen. And they have had this in different parts of the uh, of the country. The San Diego Public Schools did a training where they accused white teachers of being colonizers on stolen land and told them, quote, you are racist and, quote, you are upholding racist ideas, structures, and policies. And they recommended that the teachers undergo, quote, anti-racist therapy. So this is wrong when it's done to our kids, but it's also wrong to force employees to have to go through that. So you are not going to have that in any school in the state of Florida, which is good. But you know, it's not just in schools, and I know that's been a big focus, and understandably so, because parents send their kids. I don't think very, I think most parents just want them to be educated you know, on the kind of the basics. I don't think that they're interested in this indoctrination. I know I'm not, and I know most of you are not. And so, and it's important. And it is wrong when you're trying to take a kid uh, who's there to learn basics and you're putting ideology and you're trying to, to indoctrinate. Uh, but this is also goes beyond education and it goes beyond uh, just schooling. And it really has become something that is being utilized by corporate America to, I think, create hostile work environments for many of their employees. And you look at what some of these big companies have done in recent years. 
Bank of America has had training teaching that the United States is a system of, quote, white supremacy and encourages their employees to become woke at work. Verizon has taught employees that America is fundamentally racist, and they've even promoted defunding the police. And a Google employee program claims that America is, quote, a system of white supremacy and that all Americans are, quote, raised to be racist. And so that is some of the stuff that we're seeing. And, you know, I think about it, if you're in a, a company and someone's telling, you know, dirty jokes or doing this, that could be considered a, a hostile work environment. Well, how is it not a hostile work environment to be attacking people based on their race or telling them that they're privileged or that they're part of oppressive systems when they're all they're doing is showing up to work and trying to earn a living. So we believe that this corporate CRT, it's basically corporate sanctioned racism, and they're trying to shove it down these employees' throats. We believe that that violates the Florida civil rights laws, but to the extent it doesn't, we're gonna make sure that the law does include this into these laws so that, that employees have an ability uh, to protect themselves against this kind of, really, which is harassment. And some of these companies, I mean, it, you, know, you just think about like what goes through. I mean, they, 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 this, a lot of this is virtue signaling. You know, they don't want to be criticized on Twitter or by the mob or something like that. But, you know, you had a lot of these companies, you know, last year when we had the, the, the protests and the rioting, you know, they were supporting a lot of these organizations. You know, you know, BLM is a radical organization. They were pouring millions of dollars into it. You know, now they're all concerned because that ideology has been put into place in places like San Francisco and these other places where they don't prosecute people stealing things out of the stores. So they want Congress now to come in and say, hey, stop the smash and grabs. Well, they're partially responsible for creating an environment by having these people elected to office. So we think the corporate uh, CRT is just wrong. Uh, we do not want any workers in Florida to be subjected to this, uh, and we're going to make sure that that, that that is the case. And so if you look at what we've done uh, in Florida, you know, we've basically just stood for opportunity for everybody. Um, if you look what we've done in education, we've expanded opportunity to folks uh, that have never had this, the opportunity we've had now. You look at the different folks here who are all united in not having either state-sanctioned or corporate-sanctioned racism in our state. Uh, but this is something that's significant, and they've, they've tried to act like it's not happening, and you'll have media who will say that this doesn't happen, even though we have all these examples. And you should hear Rufo, he's got many, many more examples uh, of this. Uh, so, so it is happening, and I think we have an ability to just draw a line in the sand and say that's not the type of society that we want here in the state of Florida. We want treat people treated equally. Uh, we don't want ideology. So, wow, right? For those of you that just listened through, and I played the whole thing, I think it's an important moment in our history in America to have a governor standing up and, and pushing back against um, a lot of the concerns that we have had about CRT and SEL and this <clears throat> invasion of, of this wokeness into every uh, facet of our lives. And so um, some exciting things, Stop Woke Act, you gotta love it, right? Stop wrongs against our kids and employees, woke, it's great. Um, and uh, in a minute, we're going to hear from Chris Rufo, uh, who uh, Ron DeSantis is about to uh, in introduce. And, and Chris has done a ton of work um, showing 
the world showing Americans what is actually happening in the schools, making things public and, and getting them out so that we can all really see what's happening. I love the fact that Governor DeSantis talks for a second about gaslighting, right? He doesn't say the word, but if you listen to our podcast a couple uh, weeks ago uh, in the chat with Pat segment, um, Pat is our chapter chair coordinator uh, from around the country, and we discuss what gaslighting is because parents have been really struggling. They're seeing the evidence of all of these things happening in their schools, but then when they're coming to the administration and the district to speak to them about it, they're being told it's not happening. Um, I did an interview um, a couple weeks ago with an, a reporter from ABC, and she said, but CRT isn't being taught in our schools. And I said, sure, if you're watching CNN, that's what they're telling you. And sure enough, we did an interview with CNN last week and um, just kind of got into this back and forth with the reporter again about the fact she's saying CRT isn't being taught in schools and trying to explain exactly how it is making its way into our schools. So thankful that you have a governor like Ron DeSantis willing to stand up and take a step uh, forward, right, to push back against some of this and empower parents to push back against it as well. It's it's good to hear uh, a, a, a leader telling us that the things that we are seeing, he sees too. Um, so really thankful for that. So going to now listen to Chris Rufo from the Manhattan Institute speak a little bit about um, his involvement with the Stop Woke Act and, and why he feels it's important. So we're gonna we're gonna hear from some folks uh, who've got some good uh, good things to say. So I'm gonna bring up them, and uh, we look forward uh, to hearing those remarks. So first, I'm gonna bring up from the Manhattan Institute. Uh, really, has done more than anybody else in our country on exposing. CRT in education and in corporate America, Christopher Rufo. It's great to be with you, um, and it's great to be in the free state of Florida. Uh, I, come, I come from the Seattle, Washington area in the slightly less free state of Washington. Um, but why I'm here is because I've spent the last year of my life meticulously documenting critical race theory in American institutions. I first started in the federal government where I found that among the training programs they were teaching America's nuclear weapons engineers, serious people, uh, to denounce themselves for their identity, to apologize for their whiteness, and then to denounce the country itself. I think creating a national security risk. And I went through these agencies time after time and I discovered that all of these training programs that we're starting to see uh, in the universities where we've come to kind of expect it, in corporations, in the federal government, and in, even in K-12 schools, teaching kids as young as three and four years old, uh, that they're inherently privileged or oppressive or oppressed, telling white students that uh, they should be feeling guilty or ashamed for their identity, and then telling minority students that their life can't amount to anything, all the deck is stacked against them, uh, and filling them with these dark emotions of pessimism and despair. And as I looked through these documents, as I looked through these training programs, I found that they all can be filtered back to the ideology known as critical race theory that started in the universities and then has moved through our bureaucratic institutions, where I think now it's become the dominant ideological orientation in elite institutions everywhere. And so I'm working on these programs. Uh, our former president, President Trump, uh, took on the issue. Um, but what I really have been inspired by the last year is that there is a new group of people emerging and asserting the authority of the American people. These are American parents. Yeah. 
It's one thing to have critical race theory in the universities, you can ignore it. It's one thing to have critical race theory even in the federal bureaucracy, it doesn't affect you. But what happened is, in the last year, they have accelerated critical race theory in K through 12 public schools, and they've done something that no government should do. Step between parent and child. And I might be old fashioned, I might be old fashioned, but I still think that parents have the primary responsibility in shaping their children's moral and educational development. So while many of us were feeling a bit demoralized by the state of our country, by the pervasiveness of critical race theory, parents stood up and took action. You started seeing these incredible videos, including from parents here in the state of Florida, going to school board meetings, reviving the American tradition of democratic participation at the most local level. But then something very pernicious happened. The Biden administration, the permanent bureaucracy, the teachers unions started fighting back even starting to investigate parents as domestic terrorists. Mobilizing the FBI against moms and dads that simply want a good education free of racialist ideology and indoctrination. But this isn't a battle about CRT or no CRT. This is a battle about who our society and our democracy and our government is for. And we are making the argument and Governor Ron DeSantis is the leader saying that American democracy is for the people. It has to be accountable to the American citizens. And as a journalist, as a, as a policy researcher, we spend a lot of time in these abstract ideas. We, we do reports, we hope that they get picked up. Um, but I'll tell you right now, the whole country is watching the state of Florida. There are a lot of smaller states that are intimidated, intimidated by the bureaucrats, intimidated by the corporations, intimidated by the teachers unions. But in the state of Florida, you have leadership that is bold and fearless and taking action. And so just to stop at that moment and, and reflect on, on what Chris Rifo is saying, you know, uh, American democracy is for the people and has to be accountable to the American citizens. And uh, again, to see, you know, this type of leadership happening in, in the state where I get to live, which is awesome. Um, and we hope to bring this across the country. I hope everyone listening, we're going to put this legislation in your hands so that you can bring it to your legislators and, and hopefully be able to spread um, you know, some focus back on education and real learning in our schools and away from this division uh, and hate that we have seen being sown. Um, so great words from Chris Rufo. So cool to have him there. Obviously, he's been working with Governor DeSantis. Um, and a big shout out to like James Lindsay and Corey DeAngelis and everyone else that has been working alongside um, each other in, in exposing a lot of this uh, woke ideology. Um, so uh, next, we're going to hear from two moms. Um, and, uh, you know, this is my favorite part. Chris says, you know, we've, we have awakened to the American parent. Um, 
And uh, I don't think woke ever saw the American parent coming, but my goodness, we are here and we are fighting hard for our kids and their future. And uh, so the first mom you're going to hear from is uh, Lolly. Uh, Lolly is our chapter chair down in uh, Miami-Dade County, Florida, Moms for Liberty chapter chair. Um, and you're going to hear a little bit about her family history and why she's there speaking alongside uh, the governor today um, and supporting the Stop Woke Act. All right, Laylee, where are you? You can butcher my name anytime. <laughs> Good morning. Firstly, I am grateful to God, the governor, and his team for the opportunity to be here with you guys. My full name is Eulalia Maria Jimenez. I am the mother, try that one. <laughs> I'm the mother of six beautiful children, a holistic therapist, small business owner, and the Moms for Liberty Miami-Dade chapter chair. I was born and raised in Miami, Florida of Cuban parents. My father was a political prisoner in Cuba. After serving his time, he fled Cuba, leaving behind a wife and a son. I have never been politically inclined. In fact, I was very resentful of politics. I grew up feeling that it made my father bitter. He and I often uh, fought over his perceived fear of communism infiltrating our country. I used to laugh and say, Papi, you're crazy. This is the United States of America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. Communism will never come into this country. And plus, I was busy living the American dream. 2020 was my rude awakening. The pandemic, lockdowns, mandates. The truth is that for me, the race wars it is what hit hardest. The looting vandalized businesses, the burning of our flag. My father's stories were now so vivid. Suddenly his worst nightmare was a reality, history repeating itself. I was beyond scared for my children. I felt this calling very deep in my soul. I wanted to, I needed to do more. So after an enormous amount of emotions, anger, the array, you name it, lots of prayer, I found Moms for Liberty and it resonated. What better way to serve my country, protect my children and honor my father? I won't lie, it was overwhelming, it still is. So much I had overlooked in the school system. I was disappointed that for so long I had trusted the system and not questioned anything. This is not a secret anymore. There's a full-on attack on humanity, our country, our children. We have been complacent, and in this complacency, our freedoms are being stripped. God has been removed from our schools. The Pledge of Allegiance, although Florida law, sometimes is not recited. American history replaced by critical race theory. Certain manipulated versions of this theory prove it is a direct attack 
on the mental and emotional well-being of the children. Kids are guilted and indebted based on their race. CRT, no matter which way you slice it, breeds division and segregation. Our schools are meant Our schools are meant to be safe, fun, and about learning. Our history may not be perfect, but our country's evolution is far past this. Our children deserve to know this history and to be proud of it. Not a day goes by where I'm not grateful for this state we live in. For our governor, who fights relentlessly for the people of Florida. But it is we, the people, who must rise, unite, demand, and fight for our God-given rights and freedom. Not only for ourselves and for our children, but for our nation as a whole. The time is now, and I don't want to over overextend this too much. But I remember growing up, um, my father had an American flag, always, not only on him, but on our house, in his car. And under the American flag, he had the Cuban flag. And the Cuban flag was always smaller than the American flag. And I used to always think to myself, you know, little girl, it's not his country of origin. Cuba is. He never got over, you know, his fight for his country and leaving his family behind. But now more than ever, I understand my father. He loved this country. It was the country that gave him a second opportunity to rebuild himself. It is the home of the free and the land of the brave, or vice versa. But my father, my father would have died for this country. And my children deserve to learn that. God bless us all. God bless America. Thank you so much. You're wonderful. That was so good. Thank you for doing it. Yes, yes. Thank you. So that is Lolly Jimenez. Um, welcome the world now the country can meet Lolly. What an amazing story. The first time Lolly told me the story of her father coming here from Cuba and um, so much pain, but also so much hopefulness um, is a beautiful story. I'm so thankful that she uh, was brave enough to share it um, with our state and our country today. Um, so thank you, Lolly, for that. If you're listening, um, we really appreciate you standing uh, up and uh, in your words, as you said, um, it is we the people that must rise, unite, and fight for our God-given freedom and liberty. Um, amen, my friend. The last clip from the press conference today that I'm going to play is from a mom in Sarasota, Florida. Um, her name is Lakeisha Howell, and she's going to share some of her experience. She has two children um, who are um, in the public education system or just joining, and she shares a little bit about the fact that she's not sure about that choice and um, why she's hopeful about the Stop Woke Act and uh, how it will create positive change um, in our schools. So um, we'll let Governor DeSantis uh, introduce Lakeisha and she can share her story. All right, uh, Lakeisha Howell from Sarasota, where are you? 
Good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, my name's Lakeisha Howell. I wrote a little speech, but I think I'm going to just ad lib instead. Um, I am a mother of three. I'm from Sarasota County. I'm also a part of Moms for Liberty. Um, I kind of wanted to just come and give my perspective as a parent and how CRT, which hasn't directly been implemented in Sarasota County Schools, but there are forms of it. We have social emotional learning, which is implemented, and the funding behind that. And they're getting around it, just not calling it CRT, so to speak. I have two kids that are currently in the county school system, one that is set to start kindergarten next year. And I've teetered on the decision on pulling them from public schooling due to the decisions and the things that have taken place over the last two years, especially starting with um, the virus, coronavirus, and now with CRT. I'm a biracial mother. My kids are biracial. My grandmother is an immigrant from Ireland. And I grew up with the, um, more so the white side of my family, the Irish side. And that's who I was raised by. And, you know, one day, there's a little quick story, my eight-year-old came home from school and wanting to know, Mommy, why, why does Mimi, who's her grandmother, why does Mimi and people like Mimi, why do they feel like we're not good enough? And I was, honey, what do you mean? She's like, well, I always hear that people of color, people with brown skin like me, like we're oppressed or we're, we're not good enough or it's harder for us. And I don't want my kids to be taught that. We should all be on an equal playing field. And at eight years old, why is my kid coming home? <laughs> and it's, it's caused, you know, Lily's a therapist, it's caused a lot of anxiety and depression in school-aged children, which isn't okay. We need to get back to the basics, reading, math, arithmetic. Yeah. And CRT is not something... CRT is not something I agree with at all, being especially a person of color. Um, I think it gives a very bad taste in my mouth. It's shoving things down my kid's throat that should be taught by me at home, not by their educators. Their educators need to teach them the basics. They're, they don't even have the mind frame to be able to comprehend a lot of these things that are being taught. And, you know, we could get into the subject of the LGBTQ and all these other things. It's Kids are coming home telling parents at the age of five and six, oh, mom, I'm biracial, or, or sorry, not biracial, I'm, um, I'm bi, or I'm a lesbian, I'm this. And this is not what we need to be teaching in our schools. Our kids need to... <laughs> our, kids, our kids need to be taught the, the normal. They're too young, and they're too fragile to be having these things put in their brain. My kids need to be learn that they're just as equal as their cousins who are people with lighter skin and just as equal as people with darker skin as them. They're a people of color just like me and, and that's what we need to get back to is the basics and not, not teaching our kids these things that are even uncomprehendable to them. So I, I'm very much so against it. I, like I said, I wrote a little speech, but I kind of wanted to ad-lib instead. I just felt like I wanted to speak, speak from, from my heart. heart. Yeah. <laughs> and um, thank you. Um, that's kind of, that's pretty much it. I just wanted to really thank you for allowing you. me to be here today and just touch on, on the subject of what I've had. I'm still teetering on the fact of pulling my kids from public school, depending on how this all plays out, but I have confidence in you as our governor thank to you. get these things done. Wow, so another uh, powerful parent testimonial. Um, 
that I think has just been great to hear today. So I hope listening to this press conference, hearing these brave moms speaking out about what they're seeing happening in their children's education in our country, what they're concerned about, and then really seeing that in working with our legislators, we can create legislation that's going to protect um, our children in schools. Um, so uh, I hope this gives you hope. Moms for Liberty is going to work to make sure that uh, every uh, parent that wants the Stop Woke Act that gets a copy of that, and you can work with your legislators to hopefully make something similar happen in your state. We also, as I've touched on before, have the Parents' Bill of Rights, and um, that uh, guarantees that parents and recognizes that parents have the fundamental right to direct the upbringing of their children here in the state of Florida. Um, and so it's not perfect just because there's legislation doesn't mean that uh, school districts or others won't try to violate um, what the legislation or the laws say. Um, and uh, but parents, uh, you know, we're, we're, we see that um, our leaders are helping to give us tools to hold the people accountable that are making decisions that are affecting our lives and our children's lives. So I thank everyone for listening today. I hope you enjoyed um, getting kind of a, a little peek into this press conference. Again, the Stop Woke Act that I think is going to be um, leading in legislation across the United States going forward. And uh, as a native Floridian and Moms for Liberty headquartered in Florida, just really proud uh, to see this state leading and we hope to be able to bring hope to the rest of the country uh, and parents everywhere. So thank you very much. Uh, we'll move on today to chat with Pat and chat with her a little bit about what's happening with some of our chapter chairs. Next up, we chat with Pat, chapter chair coordinator for Moms for Liberty across the United States of America. Hello, Joyful Warriors. So uh, now we are reaching the best part of the podcast, Chat with Pat, where I get to chat with uh, Pat Blackburn, our chapter chair coordinator for Moms for Liberty, uh, working with chapters across the country. And uh, Pat, we just finished listening to the uh, governor's press conference uh, regarding the Stop Woke Act, and uh, you're going to be so proud. Did you see uh, Lolly from Miami um, and Lakeisha from Sarasota standing up there on that stage with the governor? How awesome. Oh, my goodness. If this is not the epitome of parent empowerment, what is? I mean, to watch Lolly speak so eloquently and passionately about her father and uh, him having to leave Cuba and why she decided to uh, stand up for her children and the future of America. It was so wonderful. I was so proud of her. And Lakeisha um, spoke uh, again about being a, a biracial uh, mom and having biracial kids and seeing the way that CRT is kind of creeping into all these different areas of our kids' education and how concerned she was. And it takes a lot of bravery to get up and speak like that. So I just want to, you know, I, I try to give you props. I think you're empowering women um, every day, which is awesome. And um, you're right. I think it's the epitome of, of parents engagement. I think this is, you know, just one more step on the journey to parents reclaiming their children's education and working with legislators to make that happen. So it's super exciting. Yes. And I've been uh, watching school board meetings. Um, this is something I do for fun. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been watching school board meetings where school officials and school board members are telling parents that they should just settle down and be quiet and listen to right. the experts. Right. They're marginalizing parents and saying that parents are not experts and they should just settle down and be quiet and, 
you know, their concerns are invalid because they're not the experts. Right. So today I think we have a, a message to share with them. Okay, let's chat. What are we gonna what are we gonna talk about today? Tell me. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean I just you know, we talked several weeks ago about gaslighting and how um gaslighters seek to marginalize you and they really try to attack your self esteem. And one of the tips we had for people um was to take an inventory of your strengths and be honest with yourself about your strengths. So right. first and foremost you know, we know that parents are the expert of their own children. Uh, we understand where our children are developmentally, when they're ready to learn certain things. Um, and I know this from being an early childhood educator that, you know, children develop at different rates. And so just because one child is, is reading, you know, words with three letters and another child is just recognizing their letters doesn't mean that there's something wrong with the child. It's just they're in a different place developmentally. And so parents understand where their children are developmentally. And that's something that's very important. We know our, we know that there are children's strengths and we know uh, their needs the best. We know their sensitivities and their fears. We know their medical history. Oh, this is an important one. So important. This is a really yeah. important one. We do know their medical history. So I was just watching a video of a mom out in Los Angeles speaking at a school board meeting, and her child had been put into a gender transition plan uh, without her knowledge or consent. Another one, Pat, and uh, twelve years old. Mm. And um, they went and they redid some of the medical forms with the child. But what they left off, I believe, was the fact that the child that was allergic to bees. And so when the mom, I guess, saw these documents, she saw that that hadn't been noted and that that's deadly for that child. Right. And so, um, just right. had to jump in like the medical form stuff is important. You know, schools say they're the expert of your kids. They can't answer the questions about your child's medical history that that's someone, you know, that an expert like you can. Well, absolutely correct. And in many States now they have lowered the age of consent for vaccines and drugs, uh, certain, certain kinds of, of, medical interventions and they've lowered that age of consent in some places to like 12. Yeah. So parents pay attention. 12 year olds. Yeah. 12 year olds don't often understand or know their own medical history and they are able to consent to medical intervention. So, um, you know, this is this is yet another thing that uh, I'd like to, to know. I, to. I've got three. I've got four kids. People who listen to the show know I've got four kids. So I've got the girl, sixteen. And I've got the boys. I've got one who's just turning twelve. And you know, God love him. He would eat a pack of Oreos a day if I let him. You know, there would be dessert mm-hmm. for breakfast. I mean, yeah. he's just that kid. So you know, as the, the idea of him making like informed medical decisions regarding vaccinations and uh, other you know, medical yeah. procedures. It just blows my mind. He is not. Well, and they're like, Oh, right you now. can have, yeah. And you, and I have seen schools say, Oh, you can have uh, a, a gift card or you right. get free homework or whatever. If you come That's in crazy. to the clinic and get the shot. And most of the time when children, you know, had their adverse reactions or mm. things that would make them medically exempt from having vaccines, it was when they were too young to remember. And parents know those things, but the children do not. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and children are, they're like, yeah, I mean, I'll do that for, you know, our gift card. Yes. You well, know, some of them were like hundred dollar gift cards I saw. Like, right. And so you've, there? you know, I've said to you before, sometimes it feels like, um, schools act like our kids are orphans when they're there. 
Like they don't have yeah. parents, but parents are the ones who end up picking up the pieces, right? They're the ones who, who, who you know, have the rest of the child and the health of the child and the future of the child. And, um, you know, sc- yeah. not, not school, schools, the bell rings. And if they don't want to open on Fridays now, they might not open on Fridays, right? But leave the important decisions to them. <laughs> I mean, we, me you break. know, <laughs> when your children come home and they've had a bad day at school, maybe something that's happened um, that the teacher's unaware of or maybe maybe something that staff has said to your child that just crushed them and here we are to pick up the pieces and because the school staff doesn't know our children like we do and don't understand them like they do um then it's important for us to be able to have a relationship and a dialogue with them where they respect us right and we can say you know that really hurt him and can you please not do that again um and i don't think that that any any good teacher would not want to know how to best reach and protect a child. Um, so those are, you I know, think that's great are, advice so to try to reasons. have that conversation. You know, I mean, I definitely yeah. just to say we, we, again, we love teachers and we know that they're a huge part of our kids' lives. And so, you know, yeah, if something happens in the classroom with your child and a teacher, try to work it out. Try to figure out if there's some way to, mm-hmm. you know, make the te- – if, if, te- if you believe that the teacher may be aware of the fact that it was inappropriate, you might need to go right to the principal. <laughs> but otherwise, right. you know, you can always try to have a conversation with the teacher. Yeah. and um, But that's just the thing. We, we as parents are experts. We are experts of our own children. Um, but I was watching a school board meeting where the school, the, the chair of the school board um, at a board workshop where was marginalizing parents and denigrating parents like they were some desperate housewives who had nothing better to do with their time than to give them, you know, than to come to school board meetings. And um, what every mom so, feels like doing on a Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Right. Like, like you, we, you've yes. got Christmas and like, dinner, or, yeah, homework and right, sports and yes. job. Yeah. I mean, yeah. right. Go and sit there for five hours. Because and, it's yeah. important. Right. If everything yeah. was great, we wouldn't be there. I remind we people, we, people don't, do. fi- yeah, people don't fight for things that they don't care about. Right. If you don't yeah, care about it, but, then you're not going to fight for it. But these moms are out there. These dads are out there fighting right now because they care about their kids' education. Right. And so I was watching the school board. And so this was at the board workshop. And then when they had the public meeting, one of our parents um, with Moms for Liberty went to the meeting and she she recounted what he said. And she said, I just want to inform you. And she gave her background and she's like a legitimate like rocket scientist or something. And she's like, yes, and I have a background in civil engineering and da, 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 da. And she says, and we eat organic. And I just wanted to stand up and like cheer. <laughs> I remember that. I remember the, watching like, that. Cause I think he said something about like, you know, the diet choices that people make, like, can people be trusted to make? And she, and I, and I do remember the thing she was like, and I'm an aerospace engineer. And uh, just yeah, for your information, we eat mostly organic food. <laughs> You're like, yeah. And the look on his drop face, the like mic moment for her. Right. Yes. So sufficiently set that government person in their place. But, you know, that that's something I kind of want to take inventory of our parents because, you know, stay at home mom is is the most important job in the world. And I applaud anyone who has made that 
that, you know, who has made that their decision, they are going to make that the most important thing is to stay and raise their children and support their family. Um, and so that's like, to me, or stay at home, dad, I hate honor. that they, yeah, I hate that they denigrate or me stay I, at home, dad, right? Yes. When they denigrate, or stay at home, dad. in fact, I know some dads who, um, are doing the homeschooling right now yeah. and they are supporting their wife who's out in the, in doing, you know, who's out in the workplace or actually I know a very special dad whose wife is a legislator and he's running the household homeschooling their children because they are back and forth from their state capital. And, you know, so that, that is amazing. And so I don't, when we, when we go over these demographics, I first want to say that if that's what you're doing and that's what you've chosen to do in your life, um, you're amazing and thank God for you. Um, but also some of our parents, um, or most of our parents, whether or not they've chose to stay home or not, um, are educated, intelligent human beings and do not deserve the marginalization that they are being given by school board members and school officials. So yeah, I think we have a, I, like a big mix. I mean, we have a lot of working parents. I've heard from a lot of, of our moms that, you know, when there was a decision that had to be made and the schools were closed and who was going to stay home. I know that women, um, I think the majority of the parents that stayed home from what I've heard is that the mom was the one who ended up staying home and the dad continued working when the kids were out of school. I know that that's not the case mm-hmm. with every family, but it seems like women really did take a hit with with COVID and the pandemic and, and kind of stepping away from well, careers and things too, yeah. right? Well, we've had to reinvent. Sometimes we've had, we've had to change careers. Yeah. Um, we've had had to learn to be more flexible. So we've had to find um, ways to provide for our family so that we can be there for our children because we can no longer count on schools to be open um, when they're supposed to be. It's, you know, they just decide. I know I heard a, I heard um, a school, they were threatening to shut down a school because they had like five kids that were sick. I mean, a whole school and it's, and then the parents are struggling because they need to work and they have to find a way to care for their children. But so we, we like, you know, we always hear this from our schools now, follow the data. So no matter who you are and what you're doing right now to feed your family, we know that the role of parent is the most important and valuable job you're ever going to have. And we want you to we want to partner with you and empower parents to reclaim their rights to raise their own children. And so we always say this at the end of every chat with Pat. But if you are sitting on your couch or driving in your car and you're listening to this and you 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 are tired of being tired and you're ready to do something, go to MomsForLiberty.org. Go to find a chapter, find a chapter in your area or start one. We're here for you. We are. And and I'll tell you what, you get a couple chapters going in your state, you start working together at the state level, you can really impact legislation. And so um, we know that parents have a lot of stuff going on in their lives. And uh, again, you know, who knew that we would be in the middle of raising our children and all of this stuff and uh, fighting for the freedom and liberty in America today, but we are. And uh, 
get off the comfy couch, people. Let's let's start fighting at the state level and start making sure that our parental rights are protected. Um, so, Pat, I had shared earlier, we're going to get this Stop Woke Act into the hands of all of our chapters so they can bring it to the attention of their legislators in their state, um, as well as that Parents' Bill of Rights in Florida, which we continue to strengthen, um, because we hope to be able to give parents the tools to be effective advocates and uh, fighting for the survival of America, right? Every day. That's right. We're going to save America. For our kids. All right, Pat. Well, I wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. I know you probably have a lot of stuff going on with your family right now. Please uh, share my Christmas wishes with uh, your husband, your son, and and all of your family. Oh, and you guys too. um, I'm just so thankful for you and your family, and I'm just thankful that this Christmas um, I know that we have over 70,000 parents that are dedicated to saving the future for all of our kids. And I'm just, that's the real gift. That is the real gift. That's an awesome Christmas gift. Absolutely. All right. Until next time, my friend. All right. Have a great one. Bye. As always, we want to thank Pat Blackburn for her effort supporting joyful warriors around the country. And that's going to do it for this week's Joyful Warrior podcast. Join us next time. United we stand, our children, our choice, our future.